Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your convenience. July 20th, 2021. 10 questions for Netflix's Q2 2021 earnings interview tonight. Here are the 10 questions investors should be asking management on tonight's Netflix Q2 2021 earnings interview. Our Q1 2021 questions can be found here. Number one, when do you foresee normalized subgrowth? What needs to happen to return to annual subscriber growth in the mid-20 million range? Related, we presume if you are not confident in the potential TAM and your pricing power, you would not continue to ramp content spending. However, given how quote-unquote off your internal models are due to the pandemic, what gives you confidence that the long-term TAM is unchanged? And since consumers have become so reliant on streaming services, can ARPU move up faster than previously communicated? Number two, has your view of India changed? Can India be a meaningful driver of profitability to Netflix, given the current pricing structure and competition effectively giving content away for free, such as Hotstar Disney Plus? Why continue to ramp content so aggressively, given the market-specific challenges? Number three, where do you see opportunities in video games? You were not talking about video games a year ago. What changed? Is the goal to leverage IP you create for TV and film, such as the Stranger Things Roblox experience, or create original video game IP that can be leveraged into TV and film production, or do the games not even have to be related to other content on the platform? Since most Netflix viewing is on the TV, but most subscribers do not have a gaming remote to play on their TV, is it safe to assume the focus will be on mobile and PC games? Could you envision games on Netflix that are not created by Netflix, similar to third-party licensed film and TV content? And what level of investment per game should we expect at the onset? Number four, how would you grade your movie performance to date? Excluding finished films you were able to buy out during the pandemic, such as Trial of the Chicago 7, how would you grade Netflix's movie production to date? Have you had your House of Cards or Stranger Things moment where a movie has really entered the zeitgeist? What changed for Steven Spielberg? In early 2019, Steven Spielberg was actively trying to have Netflix films barred from the Oscars, which loosely ties to recent movie industry comments from Barry Diller, although, albeit, he has not made a movie in decades, who stated, These streaming services have been making something they call movies. They ain't movies. There's some weird algorithmic process that has created things that last 100 minutes or so. Yet, just two years later, after Spielberg tried to ban Netflix from the Oscars, his production company set up a multi-year relationship with Netflix to produce feature films. What changed for Spielberg and Amlin? Number six, impact of collapsing windows. With virtually all Hollywood studios dramatically shortening release windows to get content onto SVOD platforms faster versus the legacy seven-plus months post-theatrical, how does that impact Netflix? Does it make it easier to attract the best projects and talent? Any view of what happens to movie theaters as windows collapse? Number seven, studio consolidation opportunities. Amazon recently acquired MGM for $8.5 billion. Why did that asset not make sense for Netflix? Both Hello Sunshine and A24 are reportedly for sale. Do you see opportunities in the market to acquire studios or third-party content, or are we at a valuation top? Number eight, 2022 production risk. Is there any meaningful production risk tied to the Delta variant? 
Has production been impacted at all over the last few weeks beyond Bridgerton? How far along are the projects scheduled for 2022 release? Number nine, is kids' content impacting discovery? The top 10 list feels like valuable real estate that too often is overwhelmed by kids' content that is not relevant to teen and adult viewers. You recently rolled out a dedicated top 10 for kids. With titles like Coco Melon having been in the top 10 for a year and kids' movies regularly in the top 10, was the goal to exclude kids' content from the broader top 10 most watched list? Also curious how your kids' programming strategy is evolving following the expansion of your universal animated output deal and a new Coco Melon spinoff working with Moonbug. Number 10, e-commerce opportunities. Can e-commerce be a meaningful business unit or is it essentially just marketing? 